Hello, welcome to Chapter 3 Podcast, the show for readers of science fiction, fantasy, and romance. This is Season 1, Episode 15. I'm Bethany, your host, and today I'm joined by YouTubers Alan from the Library of Alexandria and Alex Nieves to discuss whether Rage of Dragons by Evan Winter is amazing or not great. You're going to hear both sides, uh, but first, if you want to support the podcast and get early access to episodes and exciting bonus content from all of our guests, check out our Patreon linked in the show notes. And as an added bonus, anyone who joins as a patron at the Trope Fiend level and above between now and May 1st will receive a custom Chapter 3 podcast logo sticker and a mystery book in the mail. So check that out. A big thank you to all of our patrons and a special shout out to our world expanding patron, Trina. Your support makes this possible. Before our conversation today, it's time for On My Radar, where I'll share some recent or upcoming book releases in science fiction, fantasy, and romance that I'm excited about, and then our guests will have the opportunity to share one as well. The books for today's episode will be released between April 14th and April 27th, 2021, with the exception of the guest recommendations, which may include any upcoming release. First, on April 20th, I've got three books to tell you about. We have The Last Watch by J.S. Dews coming out. This one is a sci-fi adventure that's being pitched as The Expanse meets Game of Thrones, where a handful of soldiers stand between humanity and annihilation. Now, Game of Thrones is definitely overused as a comparison title, in my opinion. However, this does still sound intriguing, and I'm interested. Next up, we have Witches Steeped in Gold by Shannon Smart. This one is a Jamaican-inspired fantasy debut about two enemy witches who must enter into a deadly alliance to take down a common enemy. The cover on this one is stunning, and so far I'm hearing some good things about it. And then lastly for April 20th, we have These Feathered Flames by Alexandra Overy. This one is a queer retelling of The Firebird, a Russian folktale. It follows twin heirs, one fated to become queen, one to train in magic, but then everything changes when their mother is killed. So those all sound really interesting. Then April 27th, I got two titles to talk about. First up, Fugitive Telemetry by Martha Wells is the latest book in the Murderbot Diaries. I am a huge fan of this series. Uh, this is where we follow everyone's favorite snarky AI Murderbot on spacey adventures. Very character-driven sci-fi. I love it. It makes me laugh. I don't know the details of the plot of this one, but I really love the series. And the last book I want to call your attention to is a romance. This one is An Earl, the Girl, and a Toddler by Vanessa. Riley. This is a slow burn historical romance from one of the few Black authors writing Regency romance, although we're starting to see some more come up, and she centers BIPOC characters. She writes characters you can root for while also tackling the complex issues of race, colonialism, and privilege as they related to people during that time period and the gentry, which is complicated and props to her for tackling it. With that said, please join me in welcoming Alan and Alex to the show. Thank you guys for joining me. Woo. Thanks for having me. I want a mystery book. <laughs> a mystery book? Well, hey, you can join the Patreon and get one. <laughs> <laughs> get me a mystery book. Yeah, and a sticker. Yes. The first book you mentioned, though, The Last Watch sounds super interesting. But yeah, The, yeah. the Expanse Meets Game of Thrones. Uh, where have I heard that before? <laughs> I'm sure somewhere. Any space book with politics. Right, yeah. of course. I, try, I, like, I like politics in my sci-fi. It has a super cool cover, though. It does, yeah. And I think the second one's coming out soon after, too. It seems like they're releasing them too soon, like close together. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so if you guys want to briefly introduce yourselves to our listeners and share your pick for an exciting upcoming release. Go ahead, Alan. Okay. I am Alan. My channel is the Library of Alexandria. I am now a veteran on this podcast, having done <laughs> one prior to now. <laughs> 
Uh, and my pick is, um, what did I do? Fall of Babel last time? Okay, so yeah. this time it's uh, Play of Shadows by Sebastian de Castel. Hmm. This is going to be a new book starting a new series set in the Greatcoats universe. The main character is the son of two Greatcoats. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be Greatcoats we know or if it's going to be um, completely random Greatcoats. It's coming out in June. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know when in June. It, I used to know the date, but now I look at Amazon and it says June 2050. <laughs> And I'm assuming <laughs> sounds about right. I'm gonna assume that it's it's George R. R. Martin is not writing it, so I'm gonna assume it's coming out before the next you know 29 years. So we certainly hope so. Yeah, it's coming out in June sometime. But um, I love Sebastian Castell. I love the Great Coats, and so I am super excited to uh, revisit that world. Great, definitely a good one. Uh, Goodread says June 24th. So oh, sweet, okay. thanks. I guess that's well. We'll take that as gospel. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Alex Nieves, which is also my channel name. I talk about sci-fi and fantasy and getting into a lot more sci-fi this year, but fantasy is where my heart belongs. Uh, the book I'm looking forward to is actually also an arc that I have, which is The Shadow of the Gods by John Gwynn, which is book one of the Bloodsworn Saga. Uh, we've been actually doing collaborations about John Gwynn's Faithful in the Fallen series, and his fantasy is fantastic epic fantasy that also gets compared to game of thrones um but it's it's super digestible and easy to read it's great epic fantasy where there's not a lot of fluff like a wheel of time or a malazan something like that and bloodsworn is actually norse based uh it, it honestly reminds me a lot more of the first law uh, whereas it's not like a gigantic sweeping epic fantasy you have a couple of different povs it's smaller character focused stories but you've seen the cover by now there is a gigantic dragon on it the cover is so cool is oh it's an amazing gorgeous cover. and yeah. it's incredible it's um, but yeah so that comes out may 4th and i already have it pre-ordered in hardcover so awesome. that looks super super awesome and alex apparently yeah. information this takes the great coats book happens less than a year after tyrant's throne so less than a year yeah he's he says it on goodreads he responded so we'll see kest brasty and uh Falcio in that book. How is it even a okay? So then the kid of a great coat has to be like an old great coat, correct? Though. Yeah, because be, I, I initially exactly. we talked about it before. I thought it was going to be like one of the pairs at the end, kind of like went and had a kid, and it was going to be like twenty years later. That's nope. interesting. It's going to be cool. Hmm. Cool. I still need to read that series. I have, oh my gosh, read it! I know. I have the first. I have the audiobook for the first one. I just. Haven't gotten to it yet. Okay. There's always so much to read, but yeah. ignore chapter twenty-three. When it happens, just skip <laughs> past it. Just skip past chapter twenty-three, okay, and okay. you will love you will love it's the series. Dream. Right. Yeah, just it never happens. Just skip that chapter. Pretend it doesn't love exist. It. Got Seriously. it. Got it. So I, I'm assuming this is sort of like a the Court of Frost and Starlight for Sarah J. Mass fans. I just pretend that doesn't exist. <laughs> yes, do that because that that <laughs> that single chapter makes people never read any more of the books, uh, and it makes me so sad. Yeah, yeah. It includes the greatest love story ever told. <laughs> it does not. It includes, <laughs> includes the worst love story. <laughs> Noted. All right. All right, so tonight we're going to talk about Rage of Dragons by Evan Winter, and uh, I read the first book pretty recently, and I thought this would be an interesting episode just because it seems to be such a polarizing book. Mm -hmm. um, I, yeah. <laughs> Don't know. <look. laughs> and in case anybody is wondering, the reason I have specifically asked Alex and Alan to join me is we're going to give you both sides of it, one of them 
loves this book. One of them does not. I liked it, but still have critiques of it. So we're going to have some interesting conversations. But yeah, I've heard people who hated it. I've heard people who love it and rave about it. So I think it's an interesting one to talk about. Um, To give you guys a little bit of background on, in case you're not familiar, Rage of Dragons was a book by a debut author. It's an African-inspired epic fantasy story that's kind of a revenge story. It's got lots of action in it. And maybe I'll let you guys each kind of give your, if you you were going to describe what this book is about briefly, how would you do it? You go ahead, Alex. Okay, so, I mean, it's very much a revenge tale. That is the heart of this book is Tao getting revenge for a death that he has, you know, happened to him early on in the book. And the entire story revolves around sort of his rage and dealing with the caste system that he's a part of as a lesser in the society where they're basically treated like total garbage by all of the nobles and even petty nobles that aren't even the highest on the totem pole. So he is fighting against that system and trying to sort of take revenge against the society that has oppressed him and his people and directly affected his life. And if you like action-packed fantasy, this has all the action this is <laughs> yeah this is like a an action movie but in book form it does yes. not let up ever it's absolutely balls to the wall just action all the time and i loved it so if you couldn't tell alex is our rage of dragons fan uh, tonight so that's me <laughs> alan <laughs> our are we going to be able to talk spoilers in this thing? Yeah, let's talk spoilers. Okay, cool. It's been out long enough. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. Um, Maybe not, not, this... for bo- not for book two. Oh, I haven't read for... book two yet. Okay, great. Um, so book one. No, when we talk about the things that I don't like, I will not be able to talk about it without spoilers. Okay. Um, but um, I think Rachel, I think it's fine. Like, I didn't hate this book, mm-hmm. but I um, I think this is a, a lot of really good ideas that were not executed well, mm. and that is my issue. It is a revenge tale, which is fine, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with a re- revenge tale. And there is a lot of battle scenes, um, which is fine. I like military fantasy. Um, but, like, I didn't buy the motive for revenge. Like, it just didn't – I, like, I wasn't invested. I wasn't invested in his revenge tale for the reasons hmm. that he was giving. He never – like, Tao, the main character, never stops and ponders what he's doing. Like, we're <laughs> never in his head. He never – he, if he cares so much – about the death of his dad, which is the inciting incident. Sorry, spoilers. Um, but you did point. Um, if he cares so much, why don't you ever think about it? Like he never thinks about it, and it's just. And then there's like there's barely any He's dragons. Blinded by rage. I mean, I guess. I mean, but, and and trauma, you know. I mean, yes, but I I read traumatic characters all the time who think <laughs> about their trauma, um, and it's just like like the the explanation of the world building, like the the use of the the what's the girl's name, um, Zuri, Zuri mm-hmm. to explain the world, and then like I thought it focused on things that were less interesting than what. I think it should have focused on. Like, I think mm. that the last part of it was really interesting because it dealt with like the politics and the mm-hmm. pe- Tao's people as conquerors. Yeah. And um, that kind of stuff was really interesting. And I didn't, it's not that I didn't find Tao's quest for revenge interesting. I just wasn't super invested. And it also strained my credulity. And also, and it's a fantasy book, I know. And I was doomed from the beginning because I hated the first 50 pages of this book, probably more than I hated any 50 pages of any book I read what? last year. What? 
know why. Uh, okay, because <laughs> Amazon, Amazon likes to send me books that don't work. So Amazon mm-hmm. sent me a, a book that did not have the last chapter or the glossary. So the first 50 pages are laden with buzzwords. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like, on, on Genya, like Onginyama? What the crap is an Onginyama? I don't know what okay, that is. Malazan fan. Oh, no. Do you think that's not one of my problems that I have with Malazan? <laughs> and, but Malazan includes a dictionary in the back. And so the problem that's, is, that's is there, was, there was a dictionary. And I thought the first 50 pages were really clunkily written. Mm. And so I had very difficult time kind of figuring out what was going on. The lack of the glossary wounded me. And so... I just really could not find my footing. And I thought mm-hmm. the, the first, the beginning was badly written, in my opinion. Hmm. And by the time that corrected itself, I was still so mad about the first 50 pages. Holding on to a grudge. Correct. <laughs> it's my revenge story, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> that I don't think I ever forgave it. And so I was examining it so critically. After being after just feeling so adrift with those first fifty pages, so I I am not saying that my that like I don't have some of my reasons for not liking it are stupid and probably just like based on just being frustrated at the time. Mm-hmm. Some of the things that we'll talk about later, I legitimately didn't like, mm-hmm. but I think I was looking at it more critically than I normally would read, especially with a debut novel, just because I was like, how did this get published? Who read this? Who edited this? Did someone edit this? Why are these sentences this way? What's an onginyama? <laughs> so, oh, I was just lost for the first 50 pages. I was so enraged. Interesting. It's interesting because I think my issues are different ones. I didn't have so much that problem. I think because I'm used to reading books that have terms that they don't necessarily explain right away and i can Mm -hmm. just kind of like go with it and you just have to accept it yeah like i just kind of go with it and figure all they'll tell me eventually (laughs) i don't know um but like part of that i think is maybe differences in how you read i so i actually ended up enjoying it more than i thought i would i was nervous going in because i had heard it was so action-packed and i am usually not a big fan of really action-driven fantasy it's not my favorite version of it um but I ended up liking this quite a bit because I felt like a lot of times the the action scenes were doing something that told me more about the magic system or told me more about the world or the like the um the social class system or something Mm -hmm. like that and so it kind of worked for me my biggest issue with this book it was the way that he handled female characters and we can, we can get into that but that is a very fair critique that even i have yeah uh, i was blinded by the adrenaline pumping action fair. that i so love um but i, I mean, thought the, i thought the bath scene was your favorite Alex. oh that's by far that's the greatest <laughs> love story ever told but as soon as you talk about sheathing the sword that was oh, God. That, <laughs> that really gripped me so um but I, like, I I wasn't really lost by the prologue or like the beginning. I, mm-hmm. It's definitely more detached from the story because it's it's a totally different setting and time yeah. and characters. And it's sort of, I, I could see somebody being frustrated simply because it, it almost gives you like a false sense of what it's going to be about. That's true. But it didn't bother me because I was just like, oh, this is cool. Like there's all this stuff happening and there's dragons and this... Mm-hmm this woman is able to call dragons and burn everybody and there's a big battle and i 
I remember laughing because when I sat down to read it, I was like, okay, I'm going to try to remember some character names. And the first like five characters that are named immediately die. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm not going to bother anymore. It was like, yeah. here's Jim. And then Jim gets his head cut off. I'm like, okay, Poor there's Jim. John. John gets an ax to the face. I was just like, okay, everyone's going to die. I'm just going to read this and just keep going. Oh, man. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I think the funny thing is that you get more dragons in the prologue than you get in oh, almost the entire rest of the book, despite uh, the name. Sure. So, like. Yeah. But see, so the reason that doesn't bother me, though, is because Rage of Dragons is, like, the book title mm -hmm. means more than just, hey, there's literally just going to be dragons flying around. Like, that's. But I mean, the reason it, I, it literally says dra Rage of Dragons. Like, you're expecting dragons if that's well, there if are it's dragons in the title. In it. It's barely. just a deeper. There's... But also remember that one of the military units is called a Rage. But, yes, that is true. But you do get more of, like, behind the scenes of what is actually going on with the dragons. It's true. not like yeah. it's just dragons are existing in the world and people are just flying them into battle. And yeah. it's just not really what it was. Yeah. I will say the sequel does more with this title than this book does Interesting. so for all the people that complain about it <laughs> well, it's better in the second one as far as that exact thing but it didn't i don't know i i took the rage more of just talking about tau because he's a he's a giant rage monster yeah he and, is <laughs> talk, talking about tau like okay tau tau's like again part of the issue like once the once the story gets going, I'm really kind of fine. Like the training, I love that stuff. I love the duels. I love all that. Mm -hmm. But Tao is mm -hmm. Tao's dumb. Tao's a dumb <laughs> character. And people yeah. keep Alex, you he's you dumb. and people like you keep using that as a defense of Tao. Like, yeah, he's supposed to be dumb. He's the worst. <laughs> like he's 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 a dumb character. He's just like so, oh. but like he's a teen boy. Like I think normally that's I don't like those characters. Well, there you go. Those I mean, I, like when that. I was reading it, though, I was like, "Yeah, this is like a teen boy." <laughs> so I mean, even even I can understand. Like I got frustrated with Tao at times, but at the same time, like I was so hyped for him to just go fight people hmm. that I'm like, "Oh my god, you're an idiot!" But like, definitely just jump into battle blindly and kill people because it's super cool. That's so but funny. but Alan, like, did you enjoy Rin? as a character in, in the poppy war no that's Ooh. been that's been well, part of my contention well, no i don't like her either there you go i think you but, maybe just don't like people driven by their feelings well the thing is i like ren more because ren is is at least introspective i do like the fact sure. that ren at least considers what she is doing the, i just don't like that tau is this he goes from this like i'm gonna run away and we're gonna go and i'm never gonna go to war to like fighting and the reason his dad gets killed is so it's, dumb. It's, it's his yeah. fault. I mean, yeah, he's... But again, that could have been handled better. I, I will say that it's like when people talk about Lord of the Rings, like, oh, why don't they just call the eagles to begin with? They could have just flown to Mordor. It's like, well, there wouldn't be a book. Yeah. Yes, because the book has to happen. Something yeah. had to happen to drive him to do this. Yeah, yeah it probably could have been handled better because literally in that scene, it's like, just literally stop talking. And your dad doesn't die. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, like, but I, I think that just kind of goes to show the character that you're going to set up for, mm -hmm. because that's that's him through yeah. most of the book. Is he's like impulsive, he's just kind of he's hormonal, he's super impulsive, he's very like... hormonal, self centered. <laughs> yeah. And again, we do we do have to remember this is a debut novel. It yeah. was originally yeah. it was originally self published before it was yeah, published yeah. um, which I didn't know at the time. But mm -hmm. I mean, so you know, I do want to give Evan Winter 
the benefit of the doubt. I just, there's just some things that just made, it's just like, I was just like, whatever. Now, again, there were large swaths of it that I liked. I liked his crew. I liked, what's his, what's his, what's his boss's name? Jayad? Is that his name? Yeah. Jayad. Like, I like that stuff. I like Hadith. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I like the yeah. fighting. It's just some things I'm just like, what? Yeah. I thought the magic system was really interesting. Yeah. Um, I and, love the magic system. Uh, yeah. I thought that was really cool. And I liked exploring that. And I liked um, the like the social commentary, I guess, I think was really interesting. Although again, and and this is a whole thing, my, my biggest issue with this is I was like, okay, I see what you're doing and I like this. However, can we not have a fully fleshed out female character who has her own like goals and motivations? Yeah, we cannot. And doesn't she needs to explain things. For- Zuri was, <laughs> was Mrs. Exposition. Dump, Correct. Yeah. Um, which was my main problem with this book which I will say again, I think the second book does better. That's good to know. I think he learned from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, even I don't agree with people that think Zuri was a great character because mm-hmm. I don't see how. She was basically there to explain to Tao and the reader how things work. Um, so, I mean, she was definitely a useful character. She's, you could argue, I could see the argument saying that Zuri is the reason that Tao is who he is and actually like improves and learns how to you know go to Isihogo and fight demons and understands kind of how that all works but Mm -hmm. she was mainly there to give you paragraphs of (laughs) how things work yeah um so she definitely could have been fleshed out more yeah and i mean she's definitely the the most prevalent female character in the book if i'm not mistaken and the rest of them don't really get much i mean to be fair not a lot of other characters get a whole lot of time in this book it's really really focused on Tao yeah um I do think beyond just that though that like you know I don't I don't while I don't think that this was malicious I do think that the way he created the society has a lot of misogyny kind of baked into the premise sure and so it's a little odd to me because it's set up where I'm like, okay, you kind of have a matriarchy because you have a queen, except that it's really patriarchal and misogynistic and the men still have all the power and the women can only fight through dragons and magic, which I'm mm-hmm. like, mm, okay. <laughs> like, you know, like, and you're creating a fantasy world. Like, so I'm curious to see what he does in book two because mm-hmm. I did think it was interesting that the barbarians had women fighting. Yeah. And and so I hope yeah. that he's going to challenge that in the future, but in this book, it's not really challenged. Yeah. Having not read the second one, I, I the thing is, despite the fact that I did not really love Rage of Dragons, I still want to read Fires of Vengeance and see where yeah, it goes. Yeah, I want to read it too. Um, especially since my main problems with Rage of Dragons will not persist into Fires of Vengeance. My biggest problem was what uh, what appeared to me as inconsistent world building mm-hmm. within the rules that Evan Winter has made for his own world. It just felt like Tao got to break them with no explanation at all, which is just irritating. Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing, and Alex has heard me say it before, mo- a, lot <laughs> of people, a, a lot of people's problem is the fact that is how Tao powers up. And I'm not saying is it earned or unearned. There's a whole big to do about that. Mm -hmm. My problem is that in the opening pages Mm -hmm. and in the early fights, we watch 
the nobility who we have been led to understand are genetically superior. superior Their minds yeah. are power, mm-hmm. more powerful. They have, they are just genetically superior to the lessers. They die one time in Isihogo from the demons finding them while they're using their magic and their minds explode and they go catatonic, right? Mm-hmm. At no point does Evan Winter explain how Tao, a lesser, can die thousands of times <laughs> without losing his mind. The The answer that I get is- Because well, he he's is. so angry. Ugh. The, the answer <laughs> I get is like, well, he's hallucinating. He is seeing things. No, 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 no. That's not the same yeah. as going catatonic. And if it was like a dozen times, I might buy it because of his rage. But it literally says thousands of times. <laughs> How? Are you becoming inoculated to being, I mean, maybe he is becoming inoculated to being murdered. But uh-huh. it ju- I, it was just so, when I read it, and I, I didn't know it was coming, but when I read it, I'm like, I was like, what? While also acknowledging, I will give the the, the people who like it, I acknowledge that's freaking cool. Like mm-hmm. that is a cool premise. Mm-hmm. I can going to the underworld to fight demons. I mean, this is really cool. <laughs> Correct. When yeah. when time does not pass there, so you can train infinitely. Yeah. That is really cool. It is. But at the same time, I'm like, what? Like, you, and if he hadn't established earlier with the nobles that dying in Isihogo blows up your brain. If he hadn't established that, I would also be all right. Mm. But it seems like he establishes this thing like, oh, we got to be afraid of that. And then just says, yeah, you know, it would be cooler if I just ignored that. And well, I'm so like, Come they're, on, bro. they're afraid of it because it does happen to most people. It's not like a 100% guarantee. But also to your point about like him being inoculated to it, he does kind of, if I, if I remember correctly, he does kind of talk about how he doesn't even really feel it anymore like he's done yeah. it so many times it's almost like a chore at that point where he he just dies and goes back so i mean maybe it could have been explained a little bit better how he actually overcame that mentally yeah but that's possible yeah. i was i was totally cool with it and i was just i was riding for tau the whole book just wanting him you know just seeing his his drive to just keep going back and take that damage and you know mentally and physically to just keep going back and doing it so that was just really really fun and sort of like new and interesting to read about but also you, the the real answer probably is he's the main character <laughs> so. how do you how do you he's feel the chosen about, one <laughs> exactly. how do you feel about um how do you feel about tau inventing dual wielding being the first person to think of carrying two listen, swords instead of one <laughs> this is this is a 2021 alan brain looking back on this made make-believe world it's a little silly i'll give you that Everyone's uh, like, he's fighting with two weapons. But it's Literally. really what? but it's really cool. I mean, and this is this is a trope that's been done in action movies before. It is. You know, like I've seen like what two swords? I mean, like yeah. the, the, it's not it's not new. Um, like everybody uses a sword and shield, and he was just like, you know what? I don't want a shield. Yeah. And people are like, Well, you're crazy. Like it, it's a little silly that but literally it's... no one ever picked up two swords and yeah. just like tried it, but But it's fun. <laughs> I mean <laughs> I think I think that's the thing is like to on to some level I can just go with stuff like that where yeah. like you know. little stuff like that doesn't bother me and yeah. they do kind of explain it a little bit of like they they almost say that he's stupid for doing it because you can't defend yourself you don't have a shield like it's you're not going to be as strong with your left hand and that you know comes back later as well but it's mm-hmm. sure I'll, I'll give you the fact that it can be kind of silly yeah. that literally no one else would like have done it. <laughs> But I, I mean, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> no one thought to wield two swords before <laughs> in the history of their, of their warrior race. Uh, well, you know, I mean, it is interesting, I guess, on some level, because I, I think one of the big themes here is the way that the nobility is so sort of narcissistic and certain mm-hmm. of their own power and dominance. I could see it also being a thing where, like, they're so sure of it and sure of, like, that they know the way to do it that they wouldn't feel the need to, maybe. I, I don't, yeah. you know, I don't know. I I, just the, the arrogance and the yeah yeah the, they just know better and i've got to say like i i do really enjoy an underdog story where i'm like mm-hmm. yeah i get those narcissistic guys like i i, I mean everybody always hates it. the nobles right the nobles yeah. are always pieces of garbage yeah so it's, it's and fun. i was also reading red rising around the same time mm-hmm. and and the poppy war uh, so i, I was rising. yeah i was all in on these just like angry hate-driven vengeance wanting main characters i love and, it <laughs> and tau constantly reminded me of darrow yeah darrow is a better character yeah and definitely thinks more than tau and so does rin but i was kind of in this zone of like reading all these characters around the same time mm-hmm. and really really enjoying them um yeah i mean I-, I will say that from book one to book two he definitely evan winter definitely improves on Tao personally for me and making him a better war rounded character and also expanding on some of the side characters and it's still a you know single POV story it's still about him but he does a better job of improving on all the things that I hear constantly complained about in book one mm-hmm. so like I kind of want to tell people we'll read book two like <laughs> it maybe it'll fix it but yeah. but I always come back to if you hated this book book two is probably not going to change your mind but if you were kind of like middle of the road to maybe liking it i think book two will help that interesting yeah i want to try book two because i liked it pretty well i definitely had some issues with it but i'm curious to see kind of like what he does going forward so Mm -hmm. that's that's interesting to hear yeah um i i do think he had some like cool stuff i think with the magic thing especially that idea of playing with time and i don't think i've ever seen anybody do that before i haven't either I, the, the magic system the whole thing with Izzy Hogo yeah. kind of that was very learning cool. how to travel to like another realm mm-hmm. and where there's literal demons that will like eat your soul yeah. Uh, yeah I mean that was horrifying and just the sort of like the way that he described what they looked like was terrifying and the fact that that just like mentally breaks people and you can't stay in it too long and, like everything with the magic system is sort of tied into that mm-hmm. and it builds up more and more throughout the book to where it's not just a simple like you're going there to fight demons it ties in with the dragons and the women's powers and mm-hmm. how they enrage people and all of that so like the way that he kind of created all that was super interesting yeah and i had never read an african inspired fantasy before so just it was refreshing to me to have a new setting mm-hmm. and not just have another standard medieval castle kind of fantasy yeah yeah i i i agree like i like the setting i thought the setting was cool i mean again what happens at the end when it starts dealing with like colonialism and you mm-hmm. know barbarian barbarians versus the conquerors like mm-hmm. that stuff got me really invested because yeah. I, i'm super interested in that stuff yeah and the magic system is unique and really mm-hmm. interesting but it requires having limitations <laughs> and tau has no yeah. limitations if yeah. he if tau gets magic which he doesn't currently yeah have, but i have not read the second one but if tau gets magic 
he is literally unstoppable because he no longer faces the consequence of using the magic. And that is something that I'm concerned about going forward. Alex, Mm -hmm. if you've, if you've read the second one and like Mm -hmm. it uh, kind of addresses that and it's not really concerned, that's fine. Um, uh, I just don't know, but I do think the magic system is super cool. And I actually, I'm okay with the lack of dragons because I am not a, I was huge into dragons when I was a kid and I played yeah. Dungeons and Dragons and all every fantasy from the nineties uh, had dragons in it. And every Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yeah, it's had because dragons, dragons are freaking cool. Oh, I know. But I, was, I was so dragoned out that yeah. I don't really like dragons in my book, any books anymore. And so the sparse use of the dragons in this I actually was okay with. Like, I make the joke of like, yeah, there's no dragons in this book, yeah. but but I'm 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 kind of okay with it because dragons are OP. They always come out. Everything's fire. Everything's dead. Molten slag. Moving. <laughs> I mean, that's that's kind of the point though, because they explain that is dragons in this world. Like Leslie said when we talked about it before, is they're kind of like nukes. Like you call down dragons, they don't care who's there. Like they're just mm-hmm. gonna burn everything. Yeah. So that's why it's so terrifying. And when you he goes even beyond that, of it's not just. Like, people aren't taming dragons. They're almost, like, bending dragons to their will, holding them, you know, in Isihoko to use their power, and they're pissing them off. So when they do finally let go, or, you know, the... I forget what the channelers or whatever they're called. If they die, like, if you stay too long in Isihoko and you start showing that light, like, the, you can actually die. And so many of them get trapped trying to hold these dragons there. So, like, that was super interesting to learn about, too. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting the way that they ended up talking about the dragons in terms of the fact that they would like hold one of their young hostage as a way of controlling them. Like, I thought that introduced some interesting stuff in terms of like the power dynamics. And like, I joke about it, but also I wasn't that bothered by the lack of dragons either. Um, I thought it was cool that they were used selectively, honestly. Yeah, I think I think it was interesting. Um, Yeah, I just. Like, I can see why not everybody would like this because it is a lot of, it's a lot of action. And also, I kind of think this would work better for people who are okay with YA heroes because Tao reads to me a lot like a YA hero. Yes. Sure. Yes. Yeah, I could see that. Yes. Um, which I'm okay with. Like, when I think of him as, a, like, if I, I think if he was older, he would have bothered me more, but because he's basically still a teenager, I was like, yeah, okay, sure. You can almost like forgive it yeah, because he's young and dumb. Exactly. I'm like, yeah. you'll grow up, you'll learn. It's fine. Yeah, I think, I mean, this should have been right up my alley because this, like, I love I love battles and the battles are well, well written despite the mm-hmm. fact that he has bronze swords mm-hmm. sparking when they hit each other. Bronze <laughs> is a non-sparking metal. Bronze is a non-sparking metal. You would know this, Alan. <laughs> I, I did. I literally was reading it and I read that and I was just reading and I read that, that section where it's like the sword sparked and I, and I went past it and then I stopped. <laughs> Wait a I went, I went back. I'm like, I don't think bronze sparks. And then I literally went to Google and I'm like, does bronze spark? And they're like, bronze is not. I'm like, okay. And I don't know why I stopped. I don't know. I like, I don't remember knowing that, so but funny. I was like, hang on a minute. Um, but like, I love the battles. It just, it just felt really clunky to mm. me. And the thing, I, I think I've just read, better like better organized and again mm. first first time author like i, I do understand that mm-hmm. so i think i just i think i just wasn't i don't know like i had just come off of reading a bunch of books that i really liked also you know I come off of great coats come off of the senlin like old books that i really loved and you know it was just like i was like eh, i don't i didn't really care about the stakes mm-hmm. even though i liked 
the things that were happening. Mm. Like, I didn't care if Tao got revenge or not. I did like that he was killing everybody except the person that he wants to kill. He's sneaking (laughs) up on him and he goes, hey, dude, I'm coming for you. Why are you doing that? Just kill him. Because he's stupid. Yeah, I mean, he is. Yeah, He he, got caught up in the moment and was feeling But he literally thought... In that same scene, he thought, "I've got to get, I've got to get him before he sees me," and then he yells at him. <laughs> yeah, I thought of that too. Yeah. I was like, "Dude, come on!" <laughs> so what do you? And, and the thing is, all of these things can still happen. I just wish Winter had done it better. Mm. Like the guy still could have seen him and got away, but not in a dumb way like that. Like, yeah. The, uh, well, then, well, then also as far as just like I guess Tao's power level, because then he, he, that's when he like one v ones. An enraged, like Inganyama, like a full, a full-blooded noble that's like powered up, and mm-hmm. he just <laughs> takes him one on one. So it's, it, it definitely, I, I see the YA ish there, I guess, because it's like, oh well, Tao's literally never gonna lose. Yeah, he just the only battles he really loses are in Isihogo, where he can't technically die when he's doing it, mm-hmm. or like his early duels before he's strong, because then he's just. He basically becomes overpowered. Yeah. Um, but to me, it was just fun to watch that because he's because he's so strong, just jumping into battle and basically just wrecking everybody. It was just super entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was relatively fun. I, I will say this. I listened to this one on audio, and I think that was probably a good choice because I mm. kind of think if I had read it physically, I would mm. have been like, yeah, yeah, okay, you're fighting again. But like listening to it was was more interesting. That's cool. Who, who yeah. did the audio for that one? That's a good question. I could look it up. Um, but it, whoever, they did a good job. Like the... It was Ray Romano. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I have it in my Audible library. Like now that. I need that. <laughs> <laughs> I need Ray Romano reading Rage of Dragons. So Tao. <laughs> yeah, I remember I was I was in Minnesota for work and I just like found a bookstore because I wanted to get some books. And this is one that I picked up because of the cover. I was like, that looks super cool. The cover and is very cool. It's awesome. Uh so I, I ended up reading it and I just I flew through it because it does not let up and I was fully invested in it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, to the, I guess the, my other, I guess, like issue with it is, and, and maybe it's just, it can't, it couldn't happen in this book. Mm -hmm. Once Tao leaves like the town at the beginning, you just like never hear from anybody in his family ever again. Yeah. It's just kind of like that whole section is just like done forever. Yeah. <laughs> I wish never it had carried again. over more because it was really interesting. Um, but yeah. So the, the, the audiobook is narrated by Prentice Onayemi. Hmm. Um, okay. Who I don't know what else they've narrated. Oh, they did the, he did I'm the, uh, the second one as well. Oh, he's done like. That makes sense. Frederick Douglass. Yeah. Frederick, Frederick Douglass. Bio. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, the, the narrator did a really good job. I thought. Awesome. And, um, and I think, I think it was helpful for me getting through such a heavy action book doing using the audiobook because I don't know. It's yeah, like, I mean, action scenes and books on audio are are pretty awesome. Yeah, if you have a good narrator, it really kind of just like it brings makes it, to it feel life. like a movie almost. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so yeah. I think I think that was helpful. But... So I mean, other than Tao, then what 
what characters did you really, if if any, did you feel sort of attached to, either of you? I mean, Hadith. I liked Hadith and Uduak. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I like. I always like the strategist characters. Like, I'm yep. always a big fan of the strategist characters. I like Kate and uh, oh, yeah. Poppy War. Poppy War. Um, but uh, like, really, unlike Kate, Hadith actually shows that he's a good strategic genius, other than us just being told that he is. Yeah. Um, like, I think Hadith actually has good strategy, and I like that Tao relies on him for that. Mm-hmm. Um, as part of it, like Tao as an unstoppable kind of uh, weapon of mass destruction is worked into the overall strategy so hadith is like this is what we're gonna do tau you're gonna go do your thing which is essentially carve a murder canyon wherever you're going (laughs) and the rest of us are going to you know work for this objective and so i really liked that like i liked i liked his what his scale i liked jayad Mm -hmm. even though it turned out he's a douchebag um yeah like with what he's doing and and you know uduak i always like the big guy too which (laughs) is like like I hate you, but you beat me, so now I <laughs> yeah. I don't. It's like it's, he starts it's calling him a little demon. Yeah, he's Ragnar from uh, from Golden Sun. Yeah, yeah. I so I'm or really Ugg. bad at character names, <laughs> so, but um the the guy who's one of the guys he wants to kill who tra- who like Ugh. fought his dad on behalf of the noble oh kellen helen Helen, yeah kellen okar yeah Um, i like him too i think he's really interesting because he He you know like he has this interesting backstory he's not sure like he does what he has to do but he tries Mm -hmm. to make it better for people so i I found him to be a really interesting side character he tried to save tao's dad in the beginning yeah 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 but i mean yeah by only taking his hand whatever which tao couldn't let go but right he's sort of like the not a nice person but he's like he has to fulfill his duty as part of you know the society that he's in right but he's not a total garbage noble that's just like he's not the guy that <laughs> that uh claimed how you know hit him from behind or whatever and then wow. was like i want everyone to die oh my <laughs> like, gosh yeah he's not um, that piece of crap yeah. speaking of of kellen like that's another thing and this is just personal preference mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i don't like when authors break the convention they've established like the whole book is told mm-hmm. only from tao's perspective except like two chapters that are not from, and I'm like, and Sanderson does this in Mistborn. All yeah. of a sudden, I have a third POV from Ellen's point of view, and, I'm, and I, I, I don't like that hmm. because I'm like, well, you this whole book for 400 pages, you have you have told me that there is one or two viewpoints in this book, and all of a sudden you're going to add one at the end, like because you couldn't figure out how to tell the story, you couldn't figure out how to tell these events from the two viewpoints you established. Like for me, I would just rather them give it to me earlier because mm-hmm. it annoys me. It's just it's just my personal preference. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "What's this Kellen chapter? What's this?" Like I liked it. Yeah. I think Kellen's cool, but I'm like, "What are you doing?" Like <laughs> this is this is all from Tao's point of view, except this one this one from from Kellen's point of view. That's funny. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair critique. It doesn't bother me. I like that doesn't bother me in books. It doesn't but, bother but I but I can around. I can see where you're coming from cuz yeah. I mean it, it is true that it's done usually because the author can't figure out a better way yeah. to get information across. So yeah. that's fair. Well, it's kind of like when Erickson does it just literally in the middle of a page. Just changes <laughs> oh. POVs and you don't know what the hell is happening. Yeah, yeah. but I mean there's like 50,000 you can choose from. So <laughs> oh, I mean, no. I don't know how many undead I need to be inside the head of. But <laughs> I've been inside the head of a bunch. 
Uh, I can see that. I mean, honestly, though, as, as one of the main critiques of the book, which honestly, obviously he, you know, this is Tao's story, so yeah. he chose to write it that way. But I do feel like, and again, this is something that he does sort of build upon in, in book two, is I think this kind of book would do wonders from like three or four POVs. Yes. Because you could tell, you could have you could have had Tao's story. You could have had a Kellen story. You could have had... You could have you had know, Zuri the, not. I mean, exactly. You could yeah. have had Zuri, Zuri actually had a be a character. <laughs> the natives could have had a POV, yeah, like yeah. Yeah. because you, well, you, I mean, you do kind of you do kind of learn that Tao and his people like are kind of the invaders, mm-hmm. and they're the ones that set up this terrible society. And Tao's kind of learning that, like, oh, are we like not the good people in this scenario? Yeah. Well, um, considering that all the training the girls are supposed to go through to be able to commune yeah. with the dragons, like. We could have easily, any of it. yeah, we yeah, could we have easily have it. had a have had a a Zuri perspective. Yeah, for sure. that would have been cool. I would have been Zuri a, needed that because did. Zuri just showed up when Tao needed to learn something. Yeah, which for the most part not great. Yeah, I agree with yeah. that. I think that could have yeah, been that awkward. wasn't fantastic. No, I okay. So one thing, tell me if I'm wrong about this because I think this is accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tao is mixed right like he had a noble mom i'm trying to remember i because i think because i think lesser no because i think at the beginning that was the whole deal is that his mom wanted nothing to do with him oh she was yeah she was mid-class she was a lower a lesser noble so what's interesting to me is it seems like like what i got out of this is he through this book has decided because of his mom's behavior to renounce that side of his family and i found it so interesting this whole thing of him pushing back on the idea that like half blood people have more ability when I'm like, yeah, but you are too. You're just lying about it. Like, yeah. am I wrong that that's a thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I felt just squicked out by Jayad being like, Hey, so I've just been collecting half breeds. I don't actually believe in any of you. Yeah, that um, was... I literally, and I was like, come on, Jayad. Yeah. 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 Yeah, well, and I, I think that's the thing is for me is I was like, wait, but Tao also is. So, like, you think that he's the exception to the rule, but he's not. So, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about the fact that there does seem to be some kind of basis to this genetic um, separation. Like, I'm definitely mm-hmm. kind of uncomfortable with that. And I'm I'm wondering, it's another thing that I'm, wait, I'm like wondering what he does with in future books, because the way it's set up right now, I'm like, mm, I don't, I don't love this. I mean, without spoiling anything, the, the cast system is just sort of what it is mm-hmm. for the most part, mm-hmm. from what I've seen, that it is just like the nobles are tech, you know, quote unquote, better. Mm-hmm. And then there's lesser nobles and then whatever Tau is and the lesser. So it's like, that just kind of exists and the nobles are the leaders of the society and they are being overthrown yeah and then you just kind of learn that like other things are happening that are more important kind of thing um it's but i mean the caste system is what it is it's similar to red rising minus all the like genetic mutations and stuff because that's sci-fi and it's in the future it is interesting because it makes me wonder if um kind of the way the cast system is set up is supposed to be like a like nobility is supposed to be a stand-in for whiteness if you're talking about like 
born inborn privilege in society. I, I think that is kind of interesting if that's the point of it. I don't know. Yeah. I I would have to honestly read like what Evan Winter maybe was trying to do with that. I, yeah, I'd be curious. I don't know if he was pulling from like a a society that exists existed or exists in in Africa or somewhere well, else. They're based on the um, uh, from? one of the Zulu tribes. Um, okay. okay, it is it is based on actual um, tribe from where his family is from. Interesting. Um, and I do like the fact that he. I like his uh, the motivation for setting out to write this book, which that he wanted his his what his kids his son to have a yeah, yeah. to have uh, you know a hero that looks like him, and I think that's awesome. I, that's great. Um, I love that. Yeah, for sure. I um, what? Okay, well, my Wikipedia, my freaking internet's just deciding to look ho hum, uh, <laughs> so I can't look up the tribe, but I'll let you know when I find it. Okay. Yeah, no, I think that's interesting. I, I'll have to like read up a little bit on kind of his background. But I yeah, I do think that's important. And I'm I'm happy to see that this book has done relatively well. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's gotten hey, well, it, it's funny, as much as like this conversation was sort of set up to be a for versus against, I feel like this has been pretty balanced in terms of like, it's not perfect, but there are cool things. And it's worth reading, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I like I definitely liked it more than both when either of you. Mm-hmm. But I mean, with time and conversations and thinking about like, there are things that I could talk about as critiques mm-hmm. or things that don't quite work but like i still absolutely loved it when i read it yeah and yeah. i still love it now yeah and i love the sequel but i mean there's i'm not like blinded to the fact that there there are issues mm-hmm. um because i mean every book has issues i don't yeah. i don't think i've loved a single book where i didn't have at least one big complaint about it yeah it's the cosa nation the x-h-o-s-a uh, people which are part of the Zulu. Yeah, it's like a weird uh, or like related to the Zulu. Yeah. Interesting. That's cool. I will push back on the blurb saying that this was Game of Thrones meets oh, yeah. There's we, literally uh, no politics in this freaking no, thing at all. Barely. Nothing barely. about this Mm-mm. is Game of Thrones at all. They like, always I, do I, that. They always I do could that. see the the gladiator comparisons. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. But the Come on, guys. Yeah. Well, as we said earlier, like Game of Thrones is definitely overused as, yeah. as a book comparison. It's it's yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like Alan's video that he made months and months ago. Not everything can be Game of Thrones or has to be Game of Thrones. Yeah. I made I made a video on that very thing because it's just like, like when I was like you know when I first started BookTube, I was just getting back into fantasy, and so there's so many books I'd never heard of, and so while I'm looking up for fantasy books. Every bloody book on the cover talks about how it's Game of Thrones. And I'm like, why? Like, why Why is everything Game of Thrones? And I refuse to believe that everything is comp- – I refuse to believe that all of these things are like Game of Thrones. I don't believe yeah. it. Well, they did this too with, uh, like, Black Leopard, Red Wolf. They called the African Game of Thrones. I was like, no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> Is that book any good? I haven't read it yet. It's a really polarizing one. I think it's very, very good, but – it's, it's super dark, right? It's really dark. It has like yeah. all the triggers, all the trigger warnings. Yes, <laughs> and like it's and the other thing about it is it's literary fantasy, which is not everybody's okay. cup of tea. Um, so I think they kind of mismarketed it. But it, I mean, mm. he, he does what he set out to do very well. So, yeah, I'm not sure I even know exactly what literary fantasy is, but 
yeah yeah i mean i think it's interesting it's worth worth a try like it's like the the style it's written in is is more like literary fiction um it's got a lot of description and a lot of thematic things that it's dealing with it's less about the action i mean there is action and there are things that happen but like it's really about Mm -hmm. like what it's trying to to say or do if that makes sense gotcha yeah so let's jump so we already talked about how there's basically like no real female representation in the book except for zuri yeah uh (laughs) this will be one of the things that like didn't hit me like i thought it was supposed to uh, mm-hmm. Did either of you care when Zuri died? Oh, no, I literally forgot to. You just mentioned it. <laughs> I, well, I, I think I was more, like, mad because I'm like, oh, the one female character we had who all who already wasn't great, now you're going to mm-hmm. kill her off. Why? So he can, like, end up with the queen or something? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... I mean... That, that definitely was- is one of the, the weirder, I guess issues with the book is that like you said earlier that it's set up to be a queen rules everything yeah. but there's like basically no women in the book yeah they just there's they're just like no no named like faceless characters yeah. that like kind of appear except for zuri well, yeah, and the uh, queen is easily overthrown by yes, yes. Well, yeah like the women don't actually have power like it's all in name and the women in the book are all sort of either you know victims like early on in the book when we have like the girl who's like raped and then murdered <laughs> by yeah. a noble um so they're all like yeah. either victims or they're used more for the progression of tao's plot which i just it like unfortunately i don't think it's that uncommon to to see and so i appreciate i appreciate when i do find male authors of fantasy who do a good job of writing fully fleshed out female characters and don't use them that way um but sadly like it's not that uncommon um but josiah bancroft josiah bancroft he's great i think it's it's a good thing for like this is why conversations like this are honestly more interesting because like half i I will admit that half the time when i read books like Mm -hmm. i'm just so used to seeing that whether it's a show or a book that it just i'm just like oh yeah i mean that's just how these are all kind of told and yeah. like my wife just watched outlander and there is so much rape in that show yeah. oh my gosh, really there, oh it's, like, the book has a lot too the book is a lot i read the first one and i was like this is not for why me. there's just a lot um, i think that's a whole other conversation <laughs> okay but but it's just i i guess to me it's like it doesn't necessarily bother me as much but like it, it's interesting to me to to see that different perspective because I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, well, if I actually do think about it, like, yeah, that is kind of messed up that, like, yeah. that's the reason that the women are in the book and that's just kind of shitty. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, and that's the thing is, like, I'm not somebody who thinks that rape should never exist in books because I think it's part yeah. of the human experience and, like, I, you know, like, books somewhat reflect that. So some people feel that way. I don't. However, I do think you know, like in a best case scenario, you should be writing characters who are people, whether they are Mm -hmm. male or female, who have different personalities and have their own goals and motivations beyond just serving the purposes of your hero. And so like what Alan was saying, like I think Josiah Bancroft is is one pretty good example of that. I also actually think Pierce Brown does a pretty good job of this as well in the Red Rising. He gets better. Every every single book. Yes. Yeah. The women get better. He continues to to improve and he has really interesting women. 
Yeah. So I, that's the thing is like, I think there are authors who are doing a good job of it and I'm happy to see more of it. But um, unfortunately, I think traditionally it, it hasn't been done well. And this is not the best example. Yeah. That's, that's a very, very fair criticism. Yeah. I agree. Um, what are some of the things that you like that either of you did appreciate that? So like we talked about the magic system, we talked about Tao <laughs> a lot. Uh, like one of the things for me that I thought was was interesting is you aren't really necessarily following a good guy. Mm-hmm. Like he's he is your protagonist because it's his revenge story, but like everything surrounding him, like the Zadin are having their lands just ravaged mm-hmm. and taken from them by you know this these petty noble squabbling and you know this this war going on between them and just trying to essentially conquer this whole place but like that's just kind of the setting that tau and like tau's story takes place mm-hmm. so i was honestly like itching for more of learning about the actual zadine people Same. which i wanted i wanted to see more because like they have like lizard mounts and shit in the beginning of the book yeah i was like what are those things and like <laughs> There was like tons of fantasy like creatures in the very beginning yeah. that you don't see a lot of anymore mm-hmm. um, in the rest of the book. Yeah, I think I, that's the thing is like I think the world he's created and the magic system and like even the the issues that come into play with the society are really, really interesting. Um, but I, but I do agree. I think like having this be a multi POV book and doing a better job of fleshing out different characters would have made this a much stronger story um Mm -hmm. but it's it's cool and i i think that was my favorite thing about it is was getting to know the magic system getting to know the world and like the the political system and structure like that was probably my favorite thing about the about the book what about you alan i mean i i thought the fights were really well written they were high octane i -hmm. think the duels were 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 written i think i with as much freaking fighting is in this book because it wasn't a ton of military action. It was a ton of Tau mm-hmm. fighting repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I did not get bored with it. So I thought it was varied enough to where um, – and that, that's another reason where like, I just get disappointed. I'm like, you're so skilled at writing these fight scenes, but you, didn't just, you just didn't bother to look up that bronze swords don't spark? <laughs> like, like – what are you doing, man? Like I thought, I thought you, I thought you knew what you were doing. Um, but uh, you know, so I, I really, I really enjoyed the fight scenes, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed, like I said, the end where they start to deal with um, the politics of these uh, of the conquered people, uh, the mm-hmm. Zadine and stuff. Yeah, and so that is the stuff that interested me the most. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Cool. Well, I think this has been a good conversation and definitely definitely i think it's an interesting book and so i think Mm -hmm. for anybody listening like if this sounds like it would be up your alley i think it's worth a look i do want to read read on in the series and kind of see what he does with book two because i think there's there's some good things to it so awesome thank you guys for joining me with this um Thanks for having us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, this has been Chapter 3 Podcast, and I'm your host, Bethany. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you could rate and review the podcast so we can continue to reach more listeners. You can follow us on Twitter at Chapter 3 Podcast, and you can also find me on YouTube at Beautifully Bookish Bethany. Plus, we now have a brand new YouTube channel for Chapter 3 Podcast, which will be linked in the show notes. Um, so that's where all of these episodes, if you're, if you're looking for them on YouTube, you will now find them there. Uh, the next episode 
will be available in two weeks, and this episode's bonus content will be available to patrons in the next few days. Thanks for listening.